0: Sex talk with Erica Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. So tough. And okay, sex isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Erica Miley. Hey folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. Uh y'all, I I gotta <sighs> I got a doozy for you today. I have a book that I just cannot wait for every single one of you to read. The thing that I took away from it, I think right out the gate was the – um, that this book is incredibly reachable. I have for you authors, clinicians that are just incredible of the book Women and Kink. I have Jennifer Rehor. Is a, she is a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified sex therapist, author, owner of Affirming Therapy Center in San Diego and does virtual and in-person work. And I have Julia Schiffman she is an associate clinical social worker, author, community activist, seeing clients in California virtual only. Y'all, I feel like we have uh, three very overachieving humans in the room. <laughs> Just saying. <Yes>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so welcome to the show. I'm so glad you have joined me today. And I cannot wait to dive in deep into this book. Um, and hear some of your reflections about how and what it is um, done, and maybe even in your clinical work. So this Book is based on the the research that you did, and and Jennifer, am I am I correct in understanding that you started the research, and it's nearly sixteen hundred women and their personal stories about their relationship with cake? Can you can you kind of talk about how um, this concept came from your original research?
1: Yeah, so I was conducting research for my master's thesis. I was okay. a graduate student at. San Francisco State University in their human Mm -hmm. sexuality department and basically I attended a conference that was based on alternative sexualities and it Mm. inspired me to do this work and I realized that the thesis I had been working on just was too middle of the road and honestly boring to keep my interest for the next two years and so I I literally (laughs) left that project behind and I had an academic advisor who was amazing and just said spend the summer figuring out what needs to be done in the field. Mm -hmm. And so I looked up all the different articles, anything that had to do with sadism, masochism, bondage, fetish, exhibitionism, all the things that fall under the kink umbrella, Mm -hmm. and I categorized them in my computer and found like all these articles based on men Mm-hmm. And two based on women.
0: Yo, like this is like, I just want st- to just pause here for a second. There's so much shit. There's so much <laughs> shit in <laughs> mental health, in sexual health, in medical, in the world of of, of medical research that is based on penis bodies, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and our perspective, um, by, by our, I mean, uh, those of us with vulvas, it's often missed or... Uh, seen to be the same without any clear delineation,
1: right? And so, oftentimes in like just sex research, they will they'll research men and just apply it to women, and yeah. Uh, In this realm, they actually, uh, previous researchers had made the assumption that because so few women participated in these studies, and this is, we're talking like 1970s, 1980s, Mm -hmm. uh, that there's just no interest and the only women who have an interest are doing it for financial gain as their only reason. Uh, And it turns out it's, I think primarily because the way that they could recruit back then for these studies was mm. in the back of SNM magazines.
0: Right. Okay.
1: And so okay. though the backs of SNM magazines was often a place for finding other partners. Mm. And so who's who's actually going and buying those magazines? Who's actually going and reading the backs of the magazines? And who's actually yeah. going and and responding to a mail-in survey in the back yes. of these magazines, and so it—I don't blame the researchers. It's not their fault at the time they—it was pre-internet as we know it. Yes, uh, but at the same time, it did leave this void in the academic body mm-hmm. of literature on, you know, these these previous studies would talk about. Oh, we're going to compare these, you know, hundreds of bisexual men with heterosexual men and homosexual men and all these in like what activities they do and what meanings they can get out of it. And there was just really nothing about women that was comparable to that. Mm -hmm. So that was the spark of this study. It was, okay, there is a dearth of information in the academic literature that has led to some assumptions and misconceptions that women don't have an intrinsic interest in sadomasochism or or bondage or fetishism or any of these things under the under the kink umbrella and yet i knew as a person who has attended women-only kink events that this is simply not true however in academia if if it's not published It's like it doesn't exist. You have to have Mm -hmm. the work. You have to simply put out there, I am testing this hypothesis, and it either is or isn't correct, and then it gets published, and then you actually have that as part of the literature. So that was my ultimate goal, was to fill this void in the literature.
0: I mean, it is a giant big old deep hole that we're gonna still need to shovel things into to even understand all of the elements of it and and the stories in this book y'all go get this book it is in it is wonderful to just read directly from other people who have uh, similar experiences and how they're trying to to balance some of their desires while also have different kinds of relationships. And I, I do think, <laughs> like, we know that the the variety of human experience is vast, right? I think I think maybe the, the invention of the internet has now exposed many, many, many more of us than there would have ever been before to understand that. That being said, like, when you think about kink and identity in particular and women's identities in particular, because that's even more narrow. Like you just said the book, you directly comment on the differences and how folks described the place in their life that kink holds how through the process of this research and writing the book, thinking about it, putting it in the crock pot of your mind, (laughs) did, did it really like, impact what you saw as maybe the ten thousand foot view of kink and identity? I I just I just see this giant space. I can only imagine what the two of you were thinking while you're listening to these stories. Like how how did it shift and change how you saw the world of kink
2: and and women? I when I think to this moment and I think to this like huge view I think the beginning started when Jennifer and I went to the ASEC conference and I was um, doing a poster with her on our work. And mm. we it was before the book was being actually written. So this kind of goes back a little bit. And um, we were talking about the reasons why people engage in kink, which later we pulled out this section of the book and realized that we need to talk about identity separate because it's just so big. But one mm. of the last reasons was identity, that that this was a part of people, part of mm-hmm. who they were, and it was integral to how they function in the world. And that was huge and a reason why they were engaging in kink. And then we also talked about how people were experiencing themselves, of finding themselves in different parts of their lives, meaning people were uh, new since the beginning of time, like when they were young. And then other people were just discovering this part when they were 60 years old, or maybe in their 20s and saying like, wow, like, this is a part of who I am. And if I don't have this, then I don't feel complete.
0: Mm. So different than the idea that this is something over here that I just do for sexual pleasure. And I I do think that that's kind of I wonder if that is. This is just something I've always wondered: is if that's left over from the idea that sex is something that we place over here and isn't necessarily part of our identity, right? Like that's right. like leftover historical belief, cultural belief, and we as we as sex therapists, sex educators, those of us who do this work, we understand that sexuality and our how we give and receive pleasure, it's integral to how we human. <laughs> mm-hmm. How <laughs> we function. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
0: And I, i so it was really, to me, it was lovely to see that you explored that this it was a, a big part of identity. Jennifer, do you have any reflections on that?
1: Yeah, I was just going to add that for, for some people, yes, it's like they s- somewhere along the course of their lives realize that no this is really who I am Mm. I think there was one quotation in there that says this is something my husband does this is who I am Mm. and that's a way of showing that it can be both for some people kink Mm. is just something that they do it's it's something that they might they might dress up at a fetish event once or twice a year and that's really fun and exciting and exhilarating, but they don't identify as such. And for others, they're like, you can put me anywhere. And no matter where I am, I am a mistress or a sir or a submissive or a fetishist, right? Like this is part of me and you can't separate that part of me any more than you can separate other aspects of ourselves.
0: Mm. And just... I, I just think that that's so. It, it was so beautifully put in in the in the book and what you've just said that that how people think about this in their, their inside themselves or even just as something they do. It's incredibly nuanced. Mm-hmm. It isn't just one thing, right? Yeah. And and it, something. And one of the titles of the chapters was "Kink is more extensive than novelty." Mm-hmm. Right? Kink is more than novelty. In the book, there's an exploration of from these interviews and y'all, you get to read these interviews. Like I, I encourage <laughs> you, pick up this book. It is incredible to hear from these people, from them, their own voice um, of the space between kink. Um, and this is a direct quote, uh, a sexual series of likes and dislikes and choices and then this other side, which is another quote, which is 24-7 comprehensive lifestyle. It just seems that the, we're, we're trying to understand this space between here. So, what did you both learn from this space between sexual likes, dislikes, and then the people who actually, like, do this every day, all day? I mean, I think it's not a binary
1: mm. It's not one or the other. There's so much in between, and there's so yeah. much nuances. There are people who, some Id- some ideas of kink are just in fantasy and in their head, and they can't even articulate it. And sometimes I see people like this in my office, and they say, this is the first time I've actually said this out loud to anyone that I have mm. this desire. And And there are people who... They attend events all the time. They volunteer at their local kink community. And this is like, this is their thing. This is, this is absolutely part of their life. Uh, and there's so much in between there, right? And I think yeah. for me, the bottom line is there's no right or wrong way to integrate something like kink into your life. If, mm-hmm. if there's an interest, you get to carve it
2: out for yourself.
0: Yeah. 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 Julia, do you have a reflection about that?
2: Definitely. I love what Jennifer said and and what she says reminds me of this quote in the book. It's one of my favorite quotes where she's saying she's new to the lifestyle, but if she were to answer this survey in 6 months, her answers would be completely different. And I think mm. that's a reflection of this section. It's in the section saying that, you know, this this identity and this spectrum can move, and you can mm. grow, and you can grow along this spectrum. I think Jennifer mm-hmm. and I were talking about it's not necessarily linear. It's kind of like 3D and 4D, and that in any time, you can find another part of you along this journey, and that when you are having one part of your identity, you can also explore another part, and that also things can move and grow depending on your relationship as well. Mm-hmm. And that that can be dependent and that can grow and change as your identity moves. Or that you move into a different part of your life and maybe that part of your identity moves forward and then it moves back. So mm-hmm. it's not always stagnant, but for some people it is too. Where just that part of their identity is that part of their identity for as long as they live.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's so I think it's so interesting. I was struck by the the movement part that you were talking about. and i I remember, Being in a training with, um, which I'm sure both of you are familiar with, but I know the listeners have have heard that me use this example before from uh, Midori, one of our wonderful longstanding sex educators in the field, who talks about um, being a snake and that they only need to eat once a year. (laughs) And I I think that that's a really interesting way to think about it, right? Like that maybe there is this thing that you like to do either for sexual pleasure or just other kinds of pleasure and it isn't necessarily something you have to do 24-7 but it also may change and become something different as you go through your lifespan
1: yeah and isn't that amazing yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah. So much cooler. So much cooler Yeah, <laughs> than we've been like, uh, I mean, our education, especially like in um, elementary schools and high schools, especially in the United States is very limited and, and pretty much ends with puberty and then you might have a baby right like that's pretty much (laughs) it right they Mm -hmm. don't talk about the growth and the change and how our bodies change and how our likes and dislikes change and how we develop as humans and and i just hear you talking about this uh this alignment and this movement and then it very well could be part of your developmental change Mm -hmm. yeah i i'm curious like I know when I was reading some of those stories, I was just like, it was just, again, folks, the kind of research um, that, these, that uh, Jennifer started is what we call qualitative. So, it is stories. It isn't just somebody took a bunch of surveys and gave a bunch of numbers. It is these folks' words, their report of their experience. And these direct stories, it was interesting to read the balance between each of them trying to each one of them were trying to make a different balance in their life between romantic or primary partnership the other kinds of relationships in their life and their desires i'm just i'm kind of looking for some reflections from both of you about this balance that you heard from these folks and how they were trying to understand it in their everyday lives
2: yes i can I can jump in, um so I think that desire the balance between desire and everyday life happens in every relationship, not just kink relationships. Mm-hmm. I think people come into our office and talk about that struggle between. Igniting their sex life or how to fit it in. We have stressors every day talking about, you know, work talking about, you know, even just traffic <laughs> that really crashes her desires sometimes. And mm-hmm. so I think also just you know how people bring in desire into their relationships, Um, they really talk about it through maybe through kink and what kink means to them, meaning is it in the bedroom just for them and that's how their desire gets ignited or if they take it outside of their bedroom and into their relationship bounds and what that looks like in terms of maybe going throughout their day and that's how they ignite their desire Mm. and that works for them. And so also, maybe they might not find that their desire is within their relationship. And some of it is Mm -hmm. and some of it isn't. And so they open their relationship to find it within different relationships. And we talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about that, about being open for different reasons, open for kink, open for sex, open for relationships. And so a lot of women talked about the different relationship combinations or the different ways that they have relationships in order to make something that meets their needs. I think Jennifer has more to say.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think, Julia, what you said is really spot on and, you know, a little bit overlap with what I had in mind. But I think it's uh, my take on uh, this idea of desire and relationships and trying to find balance. And I'm trying to think from a sex therapist perspective, oftentimes we're looking Mm -hmm. for the overlap, right? Like, where is that in between space? where both partners or all partners have shared desires
2: right mm-hmm. and that's
1: and sometimes i've had people come in my office and say i am not kinky and my partner is and it's mm-hmm. like okay can we unravel what that means and it turns out actually there is some overlap there is mm-hmm. some interest in shared activities and that's that's yes. wonderful when we can find that at the same time what happens to those parts that aren't in the overlap yes what do you do with that right or what Mm -hmm. if there's not enough overlap to keep a sexually satisfying relationship Mm -hmm. and that to me is is it's it's sad when you have someone who is completely in love with their partner and Mm -hmm. they're not sexually satisfied with them yeah yeah right because love and sex sometimes go together but not always
0: yes
1: and we have sometimes two partners can both be kinky but in very different ways yeah absolutely yeah right or or two similar right they're both dominants mm-hmm. or they're both submissives and they they mm-hmm. it's uh it's harder to find that overlap in those cases and so going back to what julia said of if the partners are willing to have some flexibility in what their relationship agreement looks like, then being able to have some kind of openness in the relationship so that these other desires can be met is a way of a partner supporting their, their person mm-hmm. and their sex life, even yeah. if there's an incompatibility. mm. And at the same time, it's also, I think, important to point out, we don't advocate for or against open or closed re- relationships. Mm-hmm. And if a couple comes in and they want to explore opening a relationship, that that takes some groundwork
0: mm-hmm. um, before
1: just jumping yes, it in. Does.
0: <laughs> because that's I another... Mean, for the back row, y'all, it takes some time. <laughs> if you want to open your relationship, it does not, it's not yes. something that just happens don't and just it jump requires in. <laughs> <Yeah>. a lot. <laughs> A lot of exploration to determine if it's something for you or not.
1: Yes. And that's something I I really enjoy working with couples on creating a relationship agreement that's much more than just rules, Mm
0: -hmm. but rather,
1: what's your vision what's yeah. your purpose like let's let's really lay down some groundwork here because just jumping in or just saying oh we'll we'll just do whatever and explore and then there's a train wreck that we have to clean up afterwards
0: so don't yeah. do that yes don't do that <laughs> don't do
1: that don't do that
0: please 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 don't yeah. we we all love helping you do this but <laughs> we'd love to save you from the train wreck before it happens yes please. um I, I do think you're, you're saying something important that I think culturally, at least in the United States, I, I do think that maybe other cultures do this better, <laughs> let's be real, um, that we're, we're beginning to dismantle the idea that your partner has to be everything to you. Every, like, that whole idea of soulmate, that they will be your perfect sexual partner, they will be your best friend, they will be your everything. Jerry Maguire fucking ruined us. Yes. That uh, you complete me shit. Nah, no, nah, <laughs> no, nah, nah, I, nah, nah. I complete
1: me, you complete we, you yes. and then we are completed yes. humans in relation to each other. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> Not as sexy. Tom Cruise, please come back and re-say it. We'd love it. Please. Um <laughs> Seriously. But I, I do wonder like this idea and like breaking um, our assumptions about what we think relationship needs to be, what our interest in, in sex and pleasure needs to be. How did this and talking to all of these different humans impact all of you, as much as you're willing to say, like, I'm never gonna out anybody. What, what did it do to your own exploration of your own sexual story? You don't have to be detailed, but like when you look inside, what did it do to you?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I got to tell you I've been with these stories since 2009. Yeah. So, you know, I I can't even pinpoint And I was reading them as they came in over the course of like six months. So I can't even pinpoint a single time of like, oh yeah, this is when I read all the stories, right? Mm. Uh, However, I have had them in my brain uh, for this long. And so there might even be some, some subconscious reflections that I'm not really aware of. But what I think when I... When I think of the book, and I think of the collection of stories, mm. and the co- and the the collection of relationship dynamics, Oof. is pretty much whatever you want to do, it's out there. Mm. However, you want to connect with people, as long as they also want a connection with you, it's available. Mm. Like you don't have to you don't have to walk and talk the script you've been handed.
0: Ooh, I want to sit with that for a sec. I think that you are speaking to something fundamentally in therapy that we generally are trying to help our people know, which is that you're just not fucking alone. You're just not. Julia, what about you?
2: So I got the stories all at the same time. So opposite of Jennifer. (laughs) But that is, it's a different experience, I bet. It is, it is. So I got like this, it was almost like I felt like I put a funnel in my mouth and they they all got like eaten up at the same time. That's literally how I (laughs) felt. Because she gave me like all the data and was like, all right, sort through it. And I was just like, just reading all of these quotations. And Mm. I was just like, yeah, Uh uh-huh, ooh, Yeah. That's just my, everything was lighting up inside. And what that literally meant was that I felt so affirmed. I felt so Mm -hmm. heard and I was given more permission to be who I was and to live the life I was living. And I think that that is just the underlying message of the book and what I want people to know and to feel that, you know, you can live the life that you want to live. And yes, you are not alone and that we do this all the time in our therapy room, giving permission for people to feel how they feel, to live the life they wanna live, and that you you are normal and you are okay. Um, and I love just jumping on top of what Jennifer said, that you can build the family you want, you can build the relationship mm-hmm. you want. And I even a woman said that in a quote, she's like, if I had only known that I could do this and build the family I wanted, I would have skipped like, two divorces and things like that. Um, (laughs) I also want to add to, so that no one misses us in the book, is that they say that two minds are better than one and Jennifer and I are always like together, but many minds are better than one. And there Mm -hmm. is a sacred treasure in the back of the book, which is the appendix, okay? And in there, we put little treasures, such as like a whole list of role plays, Okay, that all these women came up with. You don't even have to think anymore. Yes. (laughs) That's incredible. Of role plays and fetishes that people have thought of come up with that have they that they have and that you can go and explore and play out and try. And I was just like, I had I didn't even think about that. That's amazing.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. I'm going to go
2: try that. (laughs) Like, yes, that's what you did. And all these people did
0: the Googling for you. That's incredible. Did
2: it. So that is a hidden treasure. Don't miss
0: the appendix. Don't miss the appendix. Okay. Also (laughs) like the idea of finding a family, finding a community. Like I I know, I mean, we're going to get here to how do people find this book? and and where to buy it and all those things in just a second but y'all have this incredible pin and and <laughs> you're given you they have been lovely to give yes. me one and um it's it's a, a little heart and it's pink and it says woman women and kink, kink. yeah women and kink it's awesome mm-hmm. and y'all i am going to when this comes out you'll see the picture uh, i'll awesome. have it i'll have my pin and i'll have the book and it'll be on my kindle because that's that's how i read shit anymore <laughs> <laughs> great <laughs> and I um, want we all want you to use this this hashtag welcome to the sisterhood of women and kink because yeah. this is this is a community this is a family this is a sisterhood yeah. yes and and the fact that the two of you have taken this and so beautifully compiled it and taken these stories and given us this gift thank you both for this gift thank you and I hope every person who reads this no matter their genitalia <laughs> that they they can feel that community, they can feel that love that both of you. So
1: yeah, listen anyone anyone <laughs> can, anyone yes. can join the sisterhood. anybody it is, not, is a part of it. It is not based on any identities except for that you want to be a part of the sisterhood of women and kink. Yeah,
2: beautiful,
0: beautiful. So how does how do all these people find the book and find you both in the world?
1: So the the easiest way is to f- to find the book on Amazon. Just Google women and kink the book and you'll find it uh we have a website dedicated just to this and it's called
0: women and kink the book.com very good it will be in the show notes, all yes. of the things. The Amazon link will all be in the show notes. Yes. And,
1: and in that website is a, is a link to the Sisterhood where you will see photographs of people holding up the book and, and uh, being loud and proud of their affiliation and wearing, their affiliation their and wearing their, some of them wearing their pins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also have, I have my own website, which is affirmingtherapycenter.com.
0: Mm-hmm. yes california and, residents
2: <laughs> <laughs> and mine is julia Schiffman, msw.com
0: also seeing california residents yes. Yes. y'all oh just a blessing to all of us thank you so much for being on the show everything you've heard from both of them will be in the show notes so you'll be easily easy to be able to find and uh thank you thank you so much for sticking around to the end we will see you next time